Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for an opportunity again this week to spend time in your word. And, and we pray, Lord Jesus, as we open your words, those red letter words of encouragement and reminders of who we are, who you are, and who we are because of who you are. Lord, bless us in our presence of being with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. I'll put a, a thought on the, the screen for you. This is our, our theme being today and this week, throughout the week in the readings, day 6 through 12 in the Red Letter Challenge. are going to support that. But put this phrase up there. Read it with me. Truly following Jesus means both being with Jesus and doing the things he asks. Do you agree with that? Um, I, I hope you do. And, you know, we don't always say it like that. We don't always talk about it that way. But hopefully we've been reminded of that so far that, you know, being a disciple of Jesus is more than saying, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it, it means that God is having his way in our life, that the gospel message of a Christ Savior who goes the way of the cross, dying in our place, rising again, changes lives in a way that we don't say, oh, that's cool, that's nice. And we go on with our life. Pastor John had this example, I think uh, Zach Zender in, in the book this week also reminded us, in, as well as through the small group time, it's one thing to say, you know, a, a parent or a husband or wife saying, hey, would you clean your room, right? And, and say, oh yeah, I agree with that, it needs cleaning. And, and uh, sure thing, and, and then not clean it. Saying, you know what, but we studied the, the request and we, we know what's behind the, the language and yeah, we agree with that. You know, being a follower of Jesus is more than just agreeing with what he said. It's living out with what he said. As Matthew 7, verse 24, this was our, our memory verse last week, you may remember this. Jesus said, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Hearing the words, but also putting them into practice. Um, very true. But there's something really important to remind, be reminded in this, while yes, following Jesus means being uh, with Jesus and doing what he asks, there's something to really get straight in terms of order and priority here and how this works. And here's, here's the next thought uh, to get us started. Our, read it with me. Our doing flows from our being. Do you understand why this is important? Because if we flip those, that my being flows from what I do, I'm going to be way off kilter in what motiva motivates me in life. If I'm, if I'm defined by what I do, then I better be really busy and do a lot of things to keep myself busy in order to build up the appearance that I'm valuable and that my being is valuable because of what I do. And a lot of people get caught up in that trap. I'm one of them. I bet you are too. And it's easy for that to happen because that's our culture today. You are defined by what you do, therefore do a lot, be involved in everything, and if it defines us to be busy, well then by all means we must be important because we're really busy and yet there's an emptiness and something missing in that approach because it's out of order. The old cliche, we were not created as human doings, we were created as human beings. Our value starts with our being. i put it this way. As we get into the red letter challenge, uh, this week is, is all about realizing who we are in our being, being present with Jesus, knowing that 
only by his power, in his strength, in his grace, in his mercy, does our life have value and purpose. It's not by rushing ahead saying, okay, I want to do a lot of things for Jesus and kind of grunt it out and try harder. If that's what you think this is about, you are way off because that is not what this is about. It starts with realizing our calling and who we are being with Jesus. Put it this way, I've started watching a new show, a new television show that I, it's been on for several years, I've just never been drawn to it, I never thought I'd be interested in it, Um, but I was taking a nap the other Friday and uh, I woke up and this show had come on the TV and uh, it's a show called Axemen. Anybody ever seen it? Um, It's a show about uh, log, the logging industry, and they, they go to different lumber, lumber camps around the, the country, and you get to see how they um, saw down trees in different contexts. And um, doesn't that sound just totally boring? <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I'm waking up, I'm watching this, so I'm like, I, I couldn't stop watching, and, and like two hours later, I'm, I'm on to the next episode. Like, this is awesome. Like, I love this show. And um, it, it got me thinking, when I was... Younger, I remember the first time I heard the story of, you back up 100, 200 years ago, and, and there's this young man who, growing up, he, he, he had longed to be a lumberjack, and on a birthday, his parents got him an axe, and, and he was practicing in the back, back woods, and, and he always told his parents, I want to be a lumberjack someday, so when I'm old enough, I'm, I'm going to go off and go work as a lumberjack, and, and finally he became old enough to, to leave, and, and uh basically walked off into the forest where he, he suspected there would be lumber camps that might be hiring, and, and it was evening by the time he arrived, and there's a bunch of lumberjacks gathered around a fire at a lumber camp, and, and he walked in, he announced, hey, I'm here to, to be a lumberjack, and you know, this guy's like, okay, we go out, we leave early tomorrow morning, and it's like, awesome, he was so excited he could barely, barely sleep that night. I mean, the next morning, he was going to have an opportunity to be a lumberjack. And, and, and as he walked off into the woods that next day, and, and uh, he worked all day long, and, and he realized this is really tough work. And, and he was able, by the end of the day, though, he was very proud, he was able to, uh, to, to fell two large, very large trees with an axe and uh, as they're walking back at the end of the day to the camp, sitting around the fire, and they're, they're sharing stories, and the young man just so proud, he says, I just want to tell you, I was able to put down two trees today. How many did you put down? And he's looking around the, at all these older guys and everything, and, and they're going around, yeah, I, I, I cut down five trees, and one guy cut down eight trees, another guy cut down ten trees, and he was a little bit dejected by that, but he thought, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to just try harder. And, and so next day, went out of the woods with the rest of the lumberjacks, and same thing, he worked as hard as he could, and hard as he could, and, and the deal was, he just got tired, and he was only able actually to, to cut down one and a half trees that next day. He didn't quite get all the way through when it was time to go back to the camp, and sitting around the fire, he's like, man, what? it was a hard day. Just curious, how did the rest of you do today? And as they went around the circle, he learned that the rest of the lumberjacks had actually cut down twice as many on the second day as he was able to do on the first day, and, and, and he was overwhelmed by it. And he's like, what is going on? I, I, I thought I was gonna be good at this. Here, I'm strong, I'm young, I'm, I'm ambitious. And he, had to, he just walked away from the fire, totally dejected. And one of the old guys in the camp, he followed after him and, and uh, chased him down. He says, son, I, I just wanna tell you, uh, you definitely have what it takes to be a, an amazing lumberjack. 
you have the passion, you have the strength, you have the, 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 the fortitude to, to be an amazing lumberjack. But son, I, I just need to pause to ask you, have you ever paused to realize you've got to sharpen your axe? Right? So why do I tell you that? I tell you that because you might have a great desire to serve Jesus. You recognize what he's done for you. You recognize that you're a child of God. But here's the thing. If that's just a thought for us and we try and go out there on our own strength and our own inertia and our own ability, we're going to fail. The question is, how do we sharpen our axe? How do we spend time with Jesus in order to sharpen that axe? I'll put up scripture with you as we heard it, heard it in, in John 15. Read it with me. Verse 4. Jesus said, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You've maybe had this happen after a storm in your yard. If a tree branch falls off the tree, is broken off, how long does it stay green on your yard if you don't pick it up right away? It looks okay for a couple days, and then it just starts to dry up and wither. We were not created to bear fruit apart from the vine of Jesus, not being connected to Jesus, not remaining in Jesus. We can't serve him. We can't live for him. And there's a lot of things that disconnect us from Jesus, our busyness, our schedules, our thought of self-worth defined by what we do that gets in the way. I find this fascinating. A lot of people say, well, I don't have time to, to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I'm busy. I got too many responsibilities. And yet, the average is four hours of TV that people watch on a daily basis in America. That's the daily average. Over two hours dedicated to social media by, by on average in the United States and, and cell phone usage. And, and that's not to mention just all the work that we think is so important. And I get it. We're trying to earn a living or, or our families and getting kids to everywhere they need to be or grandkids. Because after all, every kid we know at age five needs to be in soccer and football or in baseball because their future is riding on it. Because so many of them are going to play professional athletics one day, right? That's sarcastic and funny. <laughs> and yet that becomes the priority. Jesus also said this in the next verse, John 15, verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Kind of an interesting thing. Um, you'll read about this this week. Um, in, in the book, The Red Letter Challenge, Zach Zender, Pastor Zender, shares these words. Um, this research that was done by the LifeWay Institute, they surveyed more than 2,900 Protestant churchgoers, and they found that while 90%, and this is in quotes, desire to please and honor Jesus in all they do, the re same research found out that only 19% of those same people personally read the Bible every day. So the good news on this is that basically one in five people who want to serve Jesus and make a difference and impact in the world for Jesus, one in five people do read and spend time with Jesus every day. 
Because after all, the way to remain in Jesus and be with Jesus as he is the living word who makes himself known among us and reveals himself through the, the written word, the way to know Jesus and be with Jesus is through his word. And, and the great news is, is that one out of five people, they get that and they spend time with Jesus every day. And I guarantee you, it's making a difference in their lives and fulfilling and a joy factor of what that means then to live for Jesus. Because you can't do what Jesus said if you don't know what he said. You can't have a relationship with someone you don't spend any time with. It doesn't work. And to think that four out of five people don't spend time with Jesus in his word. If that's true, in this room right now, four four out of five of us don't spend time with Jesus. Let me ask you this. How can we live for Jesus if we don't know what he says? It's no wonder we often feel empty and dejected and overwhelmed and broken because if we're trying to do this on our life and on our own, trying to figure it out, we will feel empty. But to realize time with Jesus, connected to the vine, the one who reveals himself through his word that connects us to what he has done on a cross that meets us here in this time where we celebrate that fact in worship. We're going to celebrate the sacrament today where the body and blood of Christ is going to impact our lives. But then what happens when Monday morning hits or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? A Savior Jesus desires to meet with us and be with us daily. Now we have his promise, but there are so many distractions from that today. And how do we wade through all the distractions? What's through his word? And God makes that word available. I love what what. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 28, some other red letter words of Jesus. Let's read this together. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is this week's memory verse. And and what a great one it is, because it puts in 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 a nutshell what it means to simply be. A Savior Jesus who reminds us to come to him, Not to busy schedules, not to Netflix, not turning to social media, not turning to our family even for value and purpose, but a Savior Jesus who says, come to me. And if you're like me and you faced it where you're just weary and overwhelmed and burdened, he's a God who says, and I will give you rest. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? A God who meets us in that promise. I'm not the first one to say this. This next thought here in Mark 6, verse 31, he he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Similar thought that Mark records in his gospel, red letter words. Jesus who invites us to be still, to calm ourselves in his presence and the Savior who meets us through his word. Maybe you've heard these words before that A relationship with Jesus looks like this. Jesus invites us into a relationship, not a religion. Um, When Jesus says, come to me, he doesn't say come to religion. He doesn't say come to a list of do's and don'ts because that's often what religion is equated to in most people's minds. No, it's relationship. Um, It's it's a, a living relationship, not with a concept or a philosophy, but with a person. That's the advantage we have. I've heard it said too, and I saw this actually on social media this week. Someone said the difference between a relationship and a religion looks like this. A religion looks, it plays out like this. And you say to yourself, oh man, I really messed, messed up. My dad is going to kill me when I get home. That's a religion. A relationship looks more like this. 
oh man, I really messed up. I gotta call my dad. You see the difference? One is based in a relationship that brings grace and forgiveness and mercy. One is based in fear of being rejected and turned away. God has come to have a relationship with you in Christ. And that changes everything. Jesus also said this in Psalm 46, verse 10. God's word says, be still and know that I am God. We heard that in the psalm today. That is hard for a lot of us, to be still. It's counterintuitive. How can I be still and be productive? And the reality is, as God reminds us, if you're not still, you're not gonna be productive for things that matter. Because when you're still, I'm able to meet you there. I'm able to break through all of the distractions to find and remind you that you are loved, you are given a purpose and a calling in this world, and it's not made perfect by what you do, it's made perfect by what I have done. And to be still and to know in his presence. As this week, we're gonna look at spiritual disciplines connected to what it means to be still and be in the presence of God. I believe you're gonna be blessed by that as we daily read those words of Jesus and are encouraged in what he calls us truly to be about in that stillness. They've done research on this and they find that, that daily napping is actually a very healthy thing. And it's not a waste of time at all. In fact, I'm one of those. I, I take a 10 to 15 power, minute power nap uh, pretty much every day. And uh, if you come around one o'clock and my door is closed and Lynette says, uh, can I help you? Um, it probably means I'm taking my 15-minute power nap. I'm energized by that. I'm on fire when I have my 15-minute power nap. And uh, some good research on this and actually some famous people through the years, Thomas Jefferson, Leonardo, Leonardo da Vinci, Winston Churchill, Eleanor Roosevelt, have all taken naps, daily naps, and, and said, that's for sure a good thing. Um, research shows it's good for your heart, all those things. But then there's the famous baseball player, Yogi Berra, who said, I, every day I take a two-hour nap from 1 until 4 p.m., right? Because naps and rest are healthy. They're good for us. You know, God is meeting us in that time of rest in his presence and the power of his word and his love for us that meets us in that time. And as Zach Zender says it this way, if we cannot trust him in his, the calm of his presence, we will never be able to trust him in the pursuit of his purpose. This week is all about getting grounded, finding our purpose and our calling and our being of who we are and what our God has done for us. I want to encourage you in that today. And in so doing, I want to put a picture on, on, the, on the screen here in closing. Anybody know who this is? Anybody know? Um, if you're a cycling fan, you might, and I know there's not a lot of them. You know, if it was a picture of Lance Armstrong, most people would maybe know who that is. Lance Armstrong, um, they say won seven Tour de France's, France's, but they were all removed because he, he, he was doping. He was drugged on all those victories, and so they were revoked from him. Uh, this is the only true American to ever have won the Tour de France and, and win it three times. His name is Greg LeMond. He won his first in 1986. He then was in an accident, a hunting accident. He was shot. He had to take two years off from cycling. They thought his career was over. And he came back in 1989 and again in 1990 to win the most prestigious and most difficult bicycle race in the world. Um, first American to win that race. And uh, I always thought how cool it would be to meet Greg LeMond. And, and in 1988... 
as I was just getting into the sport of cycling and seeing the, the cover the year before on Sports Illustrated when he had won the Tour de France, and there he was, uh, featured there. I just thought how cool it would be to meet him. And, and uh, I, I also learned he had moved to Minnesota and was training again in Minnesota. And, and I also knew in his background he was a trap shooter. My family were a group of trap shooters, and I worked at a trap range. And I thought, how funny would it be if one day Greg LeMond just walked in in my little town of Lester Prairie, Minnesota, and uh, I'm, I, I don't make this up, I've shared this before some years ago, one day that actually happened. I was working and this guy dressed in cycling spandex comes walking in and I look at him and he says, I'd like to sign up for the trap shoot today and I, I look at his card and it says Greg LeMond. I, I just got all starstruck and I said, I, I just bought a, a racing bike and, and I'm just getting into the sport and I, I've, I can't believe you're here. And, and he's just like, calm down, I'm just a guy. And, 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 and we talked for about an hour and he was sharing tips, some cycling tips with me and encouraging me. And he's like, you know, cross training is important in your training regimen. He said, that's why I moved to Minnesota to cross country ski. And I said, I cross country ski. He says, tell you what. And he wrote down his personal number. He says, um, call me. Let's go out training. He says, I, let me know. And I'll try to make time in my schedule for you. And I said, are you kidding me? He's like, seriously. He said, I, I'm not training with anybody right now. I'd love to, to mentor you. And uh, he left. And, and I I had this number, I'm like, this is from Greg LeMond, right? And, and I'm thinking, and I had it on my desk at home, and you know, days turn into weeks, and I'm thinking, I gotta call him, I, I, I gotta call him, and I gotta call him, I, he's awesome, I, he wants to be with me, and I, um, do you know when I finally called him? Never did, never did, why? Uh, do you realize, this thought crossed my mind this week, if I had called him, I maybe, have, I maybe would have been in the, the Tour de France. I, who knows? I, I may not have been your pastor. I think it worked out okay. I'm good with that. But I'm serious. He wanted to be with me. And I didn't take him up on that offer. You know what? That's a sports hero. How much more so the creator of the world and the universe, the one who spins galaxies on his fingertips, and he says to each of us, I want to be with you. And I meet you through my word, and I've made that word available to you on a daily basis, lest you wonder what I have to say and what I think of you. Let's spend time with that one this week, as he has his way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.